After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with JJ Cooper. I am the convalescing John Manuel. Thank you so much for joining us here, whether you're downloading us on iTunes or baseballamerica.com. Of course, you can follow us. Our Twitter uh, feed is at uh, twitter.com backslash baseballamerica. And uh, I think we're around, right around 4,000 followers on Twitter. So uh, join the revolution and follow us on Twitter. Tweet. tweet. And uh, this is a very good time to do that, JJ, because we are going to have a lot of updates. As we're recording this on Wednesday morning, Friday is the trade deadline, a non-waiver trade deadline, and it is a kind of a, uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about this next song. Now, there's a lot of talk about this trade deadline, maybe a little too much talk, because well, right now there hasn't been really uh, a whole and, lot of and action. actually, good, good story in USA Today, uh, I think yesterday, was talking about that there's so much talk now that it actually gets in the way of trades being made, because... I'm sure it does. Because... Teams, 10 years ago, teams really could do this somewhat in a vacuum, and as they did it, you know, you, you have a, a gammons rumor out there you might see on ESPN Diamond Notes back then, right. you know, where they would, you know, but beyond that, there wasn't that much of a, there was rumors out there, but not nearly like there are now, but beyond that, there also wasn't the reaction that yeah. there is now. Like, I really do think some of these trade rumors get floated by clubs as trial balloons. I mean, and I want to see what the reaction, like, right. I, which is kind of crazy. But, what do they really care, in a way, how but at the same time, fans they, react? You know, but, and you see it now. Like I, I do believe the Royals are somewhat shocked. You know, like, by Joe, how, how Joe, is? But, but Joe Posnanski oh, okay. put it pretty well. You know, by that trade, like, wait, not, everyone is, you know, ripping this trade. And they thought, I, you know, this Posnanski, I'm, I'm quoting him on this, yeah. but, you know, paraphrasing him. But, but... They, you know, he thought, you know, that they they really thought, hey, this is a good trade, and then they were just vilified, you know, in the local media and you know, especially with, from their fans for that trade. That's the kind of thing they didn't float the trial balloon, and you know, you do sometimes you at least short term for what? Yeah, you yeah. T- you, at least short term, you pay a you know a price for that from the standpoint of now, this isn't something. I mean, we we've always talked about how it used to be, you know, oh. The you know the Yankees traded to get so and so and they gave up you know to to get and they gave up two prospects right you have the name and you in 1993 when the Yankees traded Marty Jansen and a couple other prospects for David Cohn would there have been outrage but and the thing about it is is back then it would have been David Cohn traded for two minor leaguers and that's what it was you know and that nowadays. That's not the case anymore. Right now, if 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 Roy Halladay is traded in the next couple of days, you're not going to see it listed as Roy Halladay traded to the Phillies or you know for three minor leaguers. Right, right, and you and you also, 
honestly, if 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 we were in 1997 and not 2007 a couple of years ago, Phil Hughes would have gotten traded. He wouldn't be in the Yankees bullpen now, pitching as well as he has been pitching right now. Um, so this, people know I, I mean, no doubt about that. People no know a lot that. more about the prospects, and because of that, I mean, and really, and the, and I think the teams do too. Yes, that's part of it. We just have more information in every way, and in some ways, I think that leads to the teams overvaluing their prospects. Not all yes, the time, but yes. sometimes they undervalue them. I mean, let's talk a little bit about that Royals trade. That's not the biggest trade uh, that's gone on, but, you know, it was July 10th, Betancourt for Daniel Cortez and Derek Saito. We don't want to go too into it, but, J.J., er, earlier that week, and you do the Royals' top prospects, where do we rank Daniel Cortez last year? Number three in number their three. system? Number three, and he would I mean, not, let me make clear, he would not be number three if we re-ranked right now. But he would have been in the top ten. That's a bad organization. There's no other way to put it. That's just farm system. He would have been. He would have been somewhere probably around uh, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. That farm system has had a brutal year. Uh, I talked to a scout about Daniel Cortez. I just seen him in the last two weeks, right before that trade. I'm not sure if it was pre the the public uh, drunkenness arrest or post the public drunkenness arrest. That arrest certainly didn't help uh, his cause. Um, to me, this was a great case of the Mariners getting uh, a high upside arm or two. For a guy they didn't want anymore, Unesky Betancourt. Right, that, that, you know, they, they, that's, they, that's, that's the thing. Is that and it's funny? That's the, the issue to the, me. The uproar from Royals fans has not been even necessarily giving up Cortez. There's been that's you know, the amazing part to me. But the uproar is we're locked into this guy. We'll be seeing this guy play shortstop for our team for the next year and a half. And honestly, and that's that actually is the part that would not outrage me as much because as bad as Unesky Betancourt is, he's better than Tony Pena Jr. He's better than what the Royals are running out there. Now, would I have given up Daniel Cortez for him? No, but I do think in their minds they paid a low price for an upgraded shortstop. And I, but, I guess my, that's my point. I, but again, I that, but I, that's but that I have we're, a misguided but, uh, but where Royals fans outrage. Where you know. I mean, I, I, these aren't I'm, yeah. these aren't even my original ideas. I don't want to say they are because people thought them up before right. you know before I'm quoting them. But to paraphrase, the Royal fans say, "Well, that's how we got Mike Jacobs." Yes, because it is. it's like, "Hey, Mike Jacobs is better than Ross Glode, who that's we put they, out there last year." That's and how it's they like got their whole roster. But you can't upgrade by saying, "Well, this guy's really bad. This guy would be better." I agree. This guy's just bad, as opposed to really right, bad. Because I mean, if you you know to go I to agree. go with the Yankees profile, you know the Yankees are team type profile. Their question they always ask, and hey, the Yankees are an entirely different situation from the Royals and many other teams, but the Yankees' question that kind of got profile going and all this, is this a guy who will help us be a championship level? Is this a starter on a championship caliber team? And if the answer is no, then they didn't want him. Then they didn't want him because their idea was is that, no, what we want to do is we're not going to say, well, this guy's better than this guy. Right. We're going to say... Does he fit the profile of making us a championship-level club? Which I think is the way... Uh, that's a better approach than right. what the and, Royals are doing. And and the thing about it is, is that, again, if you're the Yankees, you do have that, that benefit of the of saying, we can say that because, you know what? Well, well, we can eat this contract. Right, exactly. Now, I do think the Cardinals, to get back to some of the more recent yeah. trades, I think the Cardinals kind of follow that approach that they, closer to what the Yankees do. They are, and it's just kind of fascinating, right across the, stri- the state there, right down I-70. Uh, the Cardinals, clearly it helps that they have uh, Albert Pujols, uh, the best player, <laughs> best player in baseball. baseball. Does, doesn't hurt. And they have two pitchers who are just flat-out studs. As long as Chris Carpenter's healthy, he's a stud. And Adam Wainwright is a stud. And, you know, every time I talk about Braves pitching, I, I leave out Adam Wainwright, which is kind of silly. Uh, one of the prospects I've probably been on, more wrong on in the last... 
13 years than anybody. Uh, when he was in the Southern that, League, I thought he was a back-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, but he is just he is the definition of a front-of-the-rotation pitcher. He has got a couple of out pitches. He pitches off his fastball. He keeps the ball in the ball. He's just awesome. Adam Wainwright, plus he's fun to watch. He pitches so aggressively. And so the Cardinals have these twin aces, and then the rest of it's uh, you know Dave Duncan and, and Bailing Wire. Maybe that's overstating things a little bit, but Ryan Franklin is their closer. Well, the, and and the Royals have, I mean, the Royals, the Cardinals have have done good jobs of bailing wire at multiple positions over the years. Absolutely, so. they're doing it. You know, they're giving a lot of playing time to guys like Skip Schumacher. And Schumacher Joe made Cole a great play at second last night. It's like what? And I mean, Adam Kennedy's like the A's best hitter, and they gave him up for nothing, and they ate his contract. So they don't. The Cardinals aren't always right. My house was a bold move by St. Louis to go out and get Matt Holliday. A right-handed bat, another right-handed bat to put in their in their lineup right behind Pujols to give him some protection uh, in the lineup, whether you believe in it or not. That's the, I, I do think they actually needed another guy behind Pujols. But they gave up Brett Wallace, Clayton Mortensen, and Shane Peterson in that deal. Uh, J.J., what was your take on that trade? I, I like it from the standpoint of we're going to talk about this with several teams. Giving up prospects, I mean, that's the currency of all these trades. Mm-hmm. But... There's a difference between even if you give up a prospect who's pretty good, and Brett Wallace is pretty good, right? but you look long-term with the Cardinals, it Brett Wallace didn't have a future long-term with the Cardinals unless you believe that he's going to stick at third base. And that's a, that's a little bit of a leap. And that's a leap. Out. And that's a leap. And if not, well, he's not a better first baseman than the guy that you happen to have over there who's the best player in baseball. That's it. I think Brett Wallace makes a lot of sense for uh, Oakland because they'll move him to first. They'll move him to first, which, by the way, they'll move him to first, which means long-term he probably replaces the guy that they picked up from the Cardinals to play first base. That's right. But the thing about it is also being American League, if you need to, Brett Wallace also can just say, hey, we'll let you do what you do best, which is hit. I think the great thing about this for Brett Wallace is he's a NorCal guy, played for right, NorCal this, baseball. This works out. So he's right back home. But the, the, the other two know. guys in my mind are guys that most organizations have. I like Clayton Mortensen, uh, but he's a AAA right, right-hander right now. He has a little big league experience. and It's the kind of guy that you, if you're the A's, you, you add him, although it's, it is hard to see long-term how... How he's ever, you know, we talk about Brett Wallace being blocked in the, uh, yeah. the Cardinals organization. Mortensen, this is he's going to pitch, he's gonna pitch, you know, he's going to pitch really well to ever make, you know, any kind of impact in Oakland because they have a, uh, obviously a ton of young arms pitching, to sort through. Pitching depth they've got. That, that has not been the issue for them. But Mortensen, you know, has been having a good year and he was in the big leagues. Uh, but, you know, for, for the, for the uh, Cardinals, they traded... They also traded Jess Todd and Chris Perez, as it turned out, in that deal for Mark DeRosa. So for DeRosa and Holiday this year, they've given up uh, their top hitting prospect in Brett Wallace, basically their top two pitching prospects in Todd and Mortensen, and then another interesting hitting prospect in Shane Peterson, plus their top closer prospect in Chris Perez. So uh, that's five guys. They're, I'm pretty they're, sure they're, those guys they're are in the all quite, the top 15 coming into the year. They're quite clearly... Making the push for, you know, hey, this yeah. is... 20, 2009, 2010, they're going for it. And, you know, maybe after that, maybe once Tony LaRusso rides off in the sunset, uh, maybe they uh, try to retool. But, but they're, they're but not going to be a top also, 10 farm system this next is also, year, that This way. is also the... Hey, this is how the Cardinals... That's how they rule. That's how they've had success, too. I Correct. mean, you know, it's something where, yes, you trade away prospects, but you know what? They also had, hey, five years ago... They didn't have necessarily these prospects to trade. That's right. They didn't have a Brett Wallace to make. You know, they made moves, but but 
I don't dislike it for the Cardinals from the standpoint of, yeah, okay, they gave up their number one prospect, but Brett Wallace was a really was a trade ship for them, and they their belief is is that okay, Matt Holiday will be the trade. You know, that yeah. was what they wanted to get back with the chip. I thought it was a pretty good ta- haul for Oakland because they're in the Holiday the free agent. The, 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 the only concern for Oakland is is that at some point, like I mean, this is now essentially we've we've seen this for now what three years of okay, we're gonna you know I don't fault it. I would much rather, if I'm a fan of a team, I would much rather see them kind of cash in, you know, yeah. cash in and say, okay, well, we're start, you know, we're going to start playing for 2010 rather than kind of hang around and go, okay, well, we won 84 games, right? Yay! Yeah, exactly. You know, there's nothing to be gained from that unless you're in the National League Central, which right. you win the division. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's like the, the Reds are now what seven games under 500. Like, oh, we don't know if we're buyers or sellers, yeah, and it's yeah, like, exactly. you know, they've got an outfield right now of. Uh, you know, basically two of their top three outfielders are, are out, and they've got an outfield of Harrison, Nicks, uh, Willie Tavares, and exactly. Johnny Gomes. Yeah, and Johnny well, Gomes. we don't know if we're buyers or sellers, you know, well, because you're in the NL Central. Right. But, but I, I think it much more makes sense to, to cash in. But that being said, you, you, if you stay in that cycle, that's Keep not a good thing. That's Keep not a, yeah, that's not a good thing when you're saying every year, okay, well, let's cash yeah. in again, because at some point, what that means is, at some point, is, is okay. Well, these trades before, some of them clearly didn't work out for us. Clearly, if you're trading for Brett Wallace, Derek Barton has not worked out correct. like you you hoped he would when you traded for him. That's correct. So uh, it's a Baseball America podcast. He's JJ Cooper. I'm John Manuel. You can send those questions into us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We do have an email question we'll get to later in the podcast. JJ, obviously, uh, there've been a couple other deals. You know, Ryan Garko for Scott Barnes. I was happy for uh, Garko, one of my favorite all-time players. John Manuel Fave. Definitely on the short uh, short list of all-time John Manuel Fave. So he goes back home to NorCal. Uh, actually, he's, a, he's an Orange County guy, Servite High, uh, representing there. Uh, but he goes out there for Scott Barnes. I was a little surprised about that for, for Cleveland. And that To me, they've got plenty of left-handed pitchers. I mean, really, don't you need don't they need to figure out who they like out of the Aaron Laffey, Jeremy Sowers, Scott Lewis. They've got Kelvin De La Cruz in the minor league. They've got David Huff. They got plenty of left-handers. I was a little surprised that that's what they went after, but you know, if you're trading Garko, you get the best available prospect, and Scott Barnes is a pretty interesting prospect. We had Rafael Betancourt for Connor Graham. That's a nice deal, I thought, for Colorado. Connor Graham's a good piece, probably a bullpen guy, but you know, might be a starter. Uh, so the Indians uh, making a couple of solid moves, I thought. The Red Sox giving up two not top 30 type guys. I mean, Arjenas Diaz probably not going to be in their top 30 this year. He was having a bad year. The bat might preclude him from being glove, a, Yeah, basically a glove guy yeah. who, you know... But Hunter Strickland was on the ascendancy. Yeah. And now in his first start, I believe it was, uh, yeah. for the Pirates, he had those no seven hit. no-hit innings and combined on a no-hitter. And he, I mean, he's an interesting... He's interesting. That, that, you know, that being said, again, the Pirates are... The problem the Pirates have is, is that they've kind of reached the point where even if you're making moves that make logical sense from the standpoint of, of building your team... Yeah. They seems like they've reached a point where those same moves hurt them with their fan base and hurt them with really the the, the clubhouse because the, the guys on the team are tired of you know of seeing this. Yeah, I, I think they're in a in a perpetual loser loop of three now administrations making, and it's very difficult to see for me progress for the Pirates with and, the moves they've made since Neil Huntington came. And aboard. the thing about that being said. 
I don't think there's any one of these trades that they've made. You know, I individual, don't. I take it individually. Right, take it individually. It's like, you know what? Adam LaRoche is not going to be a cornerstone. More than likely, he's not. That leads them back. But I, don't, I, I, but, like, I thought they didn't get enough in the Bay deal, for example. I think that was right. Like, that's, that's the, the one that you, you know, that's the one that you go, okay. Did you if because that was your right? That was your gold-plated, you know. I mean, that was the the hundred thousand chip. I mean, that was. And the to me, they they haven't they've never gotten in any of these deals. They've never got an impact arm. The biggest impact arm they got was like Brian Morris, and he's injury prone, and he hasn't been very good since they got him. And that's to me the number one currency you have to get back in trades is impact arms. They're not getting impact, so I don't really and like the, the deal they've that, made. But also, that's the whole thing. We actually had a story go up on the site yesterday that made the point. It's so hard to trade for impact arms. It is. That really what you have to do, I mean, you can trade for impact bats. Like, hey, Brett Wallace probably won't end up being like the, you know, the premium, the A-level, you know, the right. impact bat. But he could be. He could be. I think he, I think he and actually you can trade, and you I can, think he has unbelievable feel for hitting. I and think and you can be. trade for that. You can't trade if you get. Have they got an impact bat? That's any of these deals. I don't think they've got an impact anywhere. Hunter Strickland might be their best bet for an impact arm, and I don't see impact bats in any of the moves that the Pirates have got. But, back. but that's, that's me. Now, speaking of impact bats, this is something we want to, you know, as we, as we uh, record this, which will be going up on the site quickly so that we can get yeah. it up here before anything else happens. But Roy Halladay, I mean, you know, one of the rumors yeah. is, okay, you know, hey, is he going to go to the Phillies? And the rumor is is that the Phillies saying are saying, "Hey, we'll you know we'll work, we can work out a trade here." Right. The Phillies seem interested. But we're not going to give you Drayback, Impact Arm, and we're not going to give you Dominic Brown. And again, these are rumors. Right. We'll we'll know for sure one way or another. You They're know, certainly reported quite a bit. Yes. They're, they're certainly out there. And so the question becomes, okay, so what they're saying then is is well, we'll give you Michael Taylor. Right. We'll give you. Jason J- Donald. Jason we'll Donald. Jay Harrison. If you, you want know, those guys. But we're not going to give you Drayback. We're not going to give you Brown. Right. First question is, okay, so by that, what they're saying is, is Phillies value Brown more than Taylor. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, I think, I know how you ranked him. I think you agree, but yeah. do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, doing the Philly list last year, uh, I, I wrote this in the chat. I think I've said this repeatedly. Those top seven prospects in last year's list, and Jay Happ was eight, so maybe I should have said top eight. You really could have ranked those guys any way you wanted to. I wound up putting Dominic Brown number one. I think the difference between Dominic Brown and Michael Taylor is thin. Michael Taylor is closer to being big league ready, but I think Dominic Brown does have more upside. I do believe in the power. The power is coming this year, 550 slugging, I think, in the Florida State League, despite a hand injury, a broken finger that he had this year. So, uh, you know, he, he's making this look good, which is great. I had Kyle Drabeck ranked fifth. The biggest reason for that was that uh, he had the makeup issues in the past and the Tommy John surgery he was coming off of. But long-term, who did I believe in more, him or Carlos Carrasco? Well, that was a really tough call. I, probably Carlos Carrasco, because I think I thought more likely that Carlos Carrasco would be a starter. And I, there were a lot of rumblings within that organization that Kyle Drabeck might come back and just end up being Power. Brad Lidge's replacement and, a, and an elite closer, which if he was an elite closer, then you could still debate that. But the Carrasco, the, the big innings, the soft label that has followed him throughout his career was an issue. Right now, when you read the trade rumors, this makes sense to me. I've, I've talked to scouts who've seen Trevor May this year. I've talked to scouts who've seen 
uh, Jason Knapp this year. Those are the two best arms in their system beyond Drabeck. Mm-hmm. That includes Carrasco, just mm-hmm. in terms of pure oh, arms. Yeah, no, now, pure. Knapp has had an erratic season. I know he slumped of late, <laughs> but this is a guy within his first year in full-season pro ball has gone to low Class A, and he was Knapp. among the South Atlantic League leaders in strikeouts all year. Knapp's the guy that you dream of. I think if you make the trade for him, he's the guy you dream of that, who is that guy that you look really smart as an right. organization by trading for, because it's like, okay, he's a long ways away. Trevor Mays but, even more that guy. You know, but with both of those guys, they're also the guys that you could look down the road and go, I mean, they're, they're oh, the high we, risk, we, high reward. Yeah, we banked on Tri- Trevor May. Oy, you know. yeah. But Mays the kid out of uh, the state of Washington who's at Lakewood and off to a great start there and you know, kind of came on late. He was in extended spring, spring training. I thought there was a scout who was at his first start and said, wow, he was just as good as what you wrote about in the handbook. <laughs> he was at his best. That uh, being said, he also definitely has times where he has no idea where Oh, yeah, no, going. the control's been an issue. And he throws, you know, he threw a big-time power breaking ball in high school. It sounds like that's an erratic pitch for him. But he, you know... There you are could times, dream on him. There are times where he's you know, 88, 92, and there are times where he's 92, 94, and he's a big boy, 6'5", 215, where he's listed uh, as Pacific Northwest kid. So th- these are the guys who are in play uh, with the Phillies. So a couple things here. First off, it does tell you what we wrote in the preseason. We ranked the Phillies 12th. We were probably a little conservative, although right. we ranked them. If you look them, at them right now, I'd say they're, they're a top 10 organization. They're a top 10 organization, without a, without a doubt. They might be a top 5 organization. Uh, second of all, uh, really, should Dominic Brown or Kyle Drabeck preclude you from acquiring Roy Halladay? In my opinion, I would keep Drabeck at all costs. Because I he would can not, help you win this year for one thing. He could help you win this year, he could help you win next year, and he could be a future number one or number two starter. And impact arms are the thing that's tough to Correct. I would include Dominic Brown. I would not let Dominic Brown be a deal breaker. If you could include Dominic Brown and even one of those low-A pitchers, if they say you don't want Carrasco, I would include either Knapp or May, and then the two other pieces, Jason Donald and something else. If that's what it took, I would make that move, because I think Roy Halladay is the difference between the Phillies being the best team in baseball or just, in my mind, still the favorite in the National League, Dodgers or no Dodgers. I think the Phillies are the best team in the National League. They're pitching better than their numbers look. Uh, they have that postseason success on their mind, uh, you know, in their back pocket from last year. They have some mojo. Uh, they're doing what they're doing this year without Jimmy Rollins even having a very oh, good year. He's yeah, having a terrible he's year. Off year. Um, I, I like the Phillies. Uh, they're 19 and five this month, I believe it is. I, I think the Phillies are even without Roy Halladay. They're the best team in the National League. But I think if they get Halladay for this year and next year, you're looking at a dynasty potentially. I mean, you really are looking at a potential dynasty with the Phillies, and you're just you're just changing your whole organization forever between the, the team that never won and then a, per, and, a potential again, dynasty. The argument for like why you would include Brown, and you would also then be keeping Michael Taylor, who maybe you value Brown higher, right? But, but you know what? You've got someone else who you can say there, okay, well, this guy can be our right fielder absolutely. going forward. Absolutely. And you know like, what? You found Jason Worth on not the scrap heap, but as a big league free agent, you can find corner outfielders, and you can't find Kyle Drabeck. So for me, and I love Dominic Brown, I, I don't think they can let Dominic Brown be the uh, obstacle to uh, this trade. Now, the other, the other rumored team that's come in heavily at the end here, J.J., is the Red Sox. No big surprise. But supposedly one of the uh, factors there is they won't give up Ryan Westmoreland. Now, the Red Sox are smart. And they know what they're doing, and their their scouts are smart guys, and they scout heavily, so they don't just have one guy looking. They have multiple guys who give them multiple looks to guys inside their system and outside their system. But doesn't that strike you as crazy that Ryan Westmoreland 
is the right. uh, yeah, will be you, the hold up here. When you heard that it was Clay Buckholz was the hold up. That, it's like okay, okay, big league impact ready guy arm. with impact, impact arm. arm, big league ready, all the things. Although I, I, although again, if I'm the, yeah, if I'm if I'm trading him in the division, if I'm trading Halliday in the division, I if I'm the Blue Jays, I have to get Buckholz back. I agree. I, you know, like that, like you. Yeah, Masterson yeah, and Bo are not good enough. There is a higher price. You know, there is a an AL surcharge. surcharge. Yeah, I mean that of like, look, we're gonna every time he comes here and shoves it against us, <laughs> we're gonna have peep our fans booing us. So we yeah. better get something back. I would not like, want to be pelted with loonies at every one of his starts. So yes, uh, that would be frustrating. But Ryan Westmoreland, as talented and as athletic as he is, he's in Lowell. He's in short season. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care how good the guy is. If you can get Ryan, if you can't let Ryan Westmoreland stand in the way I mean, of Rollo Halladay. Well, you, you, you? you couldn't argue anything different. If you're arguing that you can't let Dominic Brown get in the way, yeah. you definitely can't argue that you can let Ryan Westmoreland get in the way. So that really uh, but, vexes me. I, I, I think that is shocking. The, that can't, that, that really thing, can't be true. But the thing that baffles me, though, is just, not baffles, because I understand they would make them a better team. The Red Sox are a team out there. Like, if there's a team that I could point to and say, you know, they could be fine without this. Yeah. The, the Red Sox, you know, they're the team. They're I mean, because it's like, they don't need, the Phillies, you could argue, need it because it's like, okay, when you get to the postseason, right. you're saying, who's our top three? And Cole Hamels is a little fatigued. He's pitched fatigued this year. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. The fastball life has not been there for him this year like it was last year. So you could say, okay, they need him from the standpoint of when you get to your top three pitchers come postseason, that, yeah, that makes it a whole lot better. Because after Hamels, I mean, who is their number two right now? Uh, Jay Happ? Jay Happ. And I if mean, it is, uh, Jay Happ, I, I, mean, I am not knocking Jay Happ. He's had a great year. He's had a great year. Pitching off the fastball. That being said, <laughs> Jay Happ's the guy that you do uh, not worry about, but if he's your number two come postseason. Right. Which I don't know if he is. I mean, I think they might have Joe Bland as their number two yeah, guy. Yeah, or, say, or, say, or, or Jamie Moyer. Right. So either way. You're, these are not great choices. Roy Halladay is better than all those guys. Right. Whereas with the Red Sox, again, if they just get healthy, which, you know, you, you look That's at the still Red Sox. It's still a big if. It's still a big if. But you look at the Red Sox, and there is that whole, you know, okay, well, you know, well, Josh Beckett is that guy to kind of. Correct. And if he's not, John Lester is. Right. So you've got one, two. Yeah. And so, you, you know, to make him, you know, so you have three of those guys is not overkill, but it's. It's not as necessary as it is for some other teams. Correct. It's almost like Boston saying, look, we can't do enough to improve our offense right now. We've and got, that's we're, what we're, they're, they're we're, tied in, we're tied into J.D. Drew. He's having a horrible year. What a shock. J.D. Drew having a bad year in the midst of a multi-year overpaid contract. Who saw that coming? Um, sorry. <laughs> my J.D. Drew uh, uh, enmity is deep. It runs deep over the course of my entire 13 years of B.A. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange to me that uh, the, the one team I wish that would get in on the Halliday thing, it is strange to me that the Red Sox would be in that. It's even stranger they'd let Ryan Westmoreland stand in the way. And the, the team I wish would get in the Roy Halliday sweepstakes would be Colorado. Uh, he's a Colorado native. The Rockies are in the National League wildcard mix very strongly. Uh, they could always use pitching. I think the Rockies with a Halliday, Ubaldo Jimenez, Aaron Cook rotation, that would be dangerous. I wouldn't want to face them in the postseason. And I think they have enough to get to the postseason. Maybe they won't catch the Dodgers. That's the problem. We, you know, what would they give up, number one? And number two, 
what would it take for them? And would would they even have a chance to keep Roy Halladay? Would Roy Halladay pitch at Coors for a year and a half? And right. be like, man, it's awesome to or, pitch yeah, in the state that, of Colorado. If you say that, I mean, that trade could be also be something where Roy Halladay just basically shoots it down before it ever happens. Like, ah, you know, I do, I, I know it's home. Oh, but come on, he's got to go home. That would be, I, I would love that storyline. I just but, think that'd be a phenomenal storyline. But line. speaking of Westmoreland, to wrap, to you know, yes. we also have a question about. Uh, we do, we do have a question about. Oh, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Lopez is the other guy right now in the Phillies rotation. Right now, he's uh, he's made four starts and he's three and zero, three zero nine. So maybe he's your number two playoff starter. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Joe Lacates, of course, coming through for us. Another. We always count on Joe. We can and. Uh, Thoughts on Ryan Westmoreland so far this year? How impressive is it that he's performed this well out of the gate, given major shoulder surgery last year? Ellsbury with more power, a fair comparison. And then uh, Kyle Skipworth, what the heck is going on? Does he need to move out from behind the plate to concentrate on his best tool with that? Uh, JJ, I think it is impressive that Westmoreland is doing what he's doing, uh, you know, with this. I mean, this is a really athletic guy. This is oh, a guy yeah. who could have played Division I football, uh, you know, would have started as a freshman, at least as a punter. Um, this is a... And there's a reason the Red Sox gave him this kind of money, and we know that Vanderbilt was devastated when they lost Ryan Westmoreland uh, recruiting-wise. Uh, you know, the Red Sox top ten from last year is actually looking pretty good. I mean, Nick Hagedon's having a huge year this year. His stuff has been tremendous. All our reports on Nick Hagedon are are, uh, are, are just uh, glowing. Uh, Daniel Barr's had a great year, graduated the big leagues, pitching very well in middle relief there. Uh, and yet I think Westmoreland... Uh, with the down year that Brian uh, that uh, Lars Anderson's having, just solid year by Josh Reddick. I think that Westmoreland's more athletic than Reddick. I, he's probably their top position player prospect right now. Well, yeah, and then you, you mentioned Casey Kelly, who's had. Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah. he might be their top position player yeah, prospect. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is he's actually a better pitching prospect. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, that's you know, and throw a guy you know who's coming a little bit from from outside of it, uh, you know, ex Carolina catcher. Uh, oh, yeah, Tim Federovich is having he's, a. He's in their mix for being in their top ten. There's no doubt. Tim, uh, we've had great reports on Tim Federovich this year, uh, both the catching and the throwing. Now, speaking of, on the other hand, not so good reports. Kyle Skipworth. Cut the high school catchers. I mean, the, it used to be the mantra was is you know the thing to avoid in the draft more than anything else is high school catchers. Yeah, and that's somewhat less than there, there's been actually some success stories. Yeah, when you have Joe Mauer and Brian McCann in the big leagues, that does tend to. But maybe that changes some minds. But what happens? And the funny thing is, the skipper fits the profile of the the high school catcher who has succeeded. What happens is is that the high school. I think you're still a safe argument that. The exceptionally exceptional defense high school catcher is a is a fool's bet in the first round because yes. the the problem is is that there's no other position out there, not even shortstop, where guys get drafted in the first round because of their defense. Right. Right. And the problem is is that if you don't have a first round bat as a high school catcher, the bat very rarely figures it out. That's the hardest position where to, for it to come on, and I just. It is surprising that Skipworth, this is a guy who had 18 straight at bats with a hit in right. high school. The thing about this is that Skipworth, though, fit the profile of a guy who hit mm-hmm. well enough to be a first-round pick, who, by the way, could catch. Right, exactly. And he wasn't catching, the other way around. Right, the catching tools were a little raw, but that was expected to be the part that was going to be harder to right, come and on. You could, you know what, and the, the thing about it is that with the catching, you could have a raw high school catcher from the standpoint of, you know, oh, he's, he's poor receiving, right, you know, right. he stabs at the ball, he he's doesn't move well behind right. the plate, his mechanics are off. On th- all those things are things you say, okay, th- are the tools there we can work with that? We've got three, four, five years to get right. him to that point. The thing that's baffling with Skipworth is is that the, the bat tool has just not 
Uh, played what we expected. And he's playing on one of the most offensive ballparks in low class A uh, in Greensboro in the South Atlantic League. It's 87 strikeouts, so there's a significant contact issue. He's hitting a soft 205. Uh, you know, he didn't hit last year in the Gulf Coast League either. And, and the reports that we've heard, I mean, are not something where you say, oh, you know, he's this close. Yeah. No, one, no, this no one's saying, oh, he's this close to figuring it out. And like there's a slow pole going on there, and that's a real problem. Is that the bat speed just, it's just all not there. It's all out of sync. And uh, this is, you know, the Marlins are pretty good at scouting Southern California. They, the year before, they in 2007, they went to that well for Matt Dominguez and Mike Stanton. You know, that's working, working out pretty, out pretty well, well for them, exactly. Uh, 2008, uh, uh, they go back to that well in Southern California with Kyle Skipworth. I mean, they were pretty confident in that pick, and I think that was an industry consensus, like, hey, good job, good pick. You know, I think a lot of teams would have taken Kyle Skipworth at six last year. So uh, it, it is vexing. We haven't heard any good scouting reports on anything this year. So I think, uh, Joe, my answer would be uh, you, you just try to chalk it up to first year in pro ball, growing pains, Try to get this guy to instructional league and try to flush it basically and get him in some better habits uh, but so that you can uh, build on start over really next year. I'm going to play both sides of the fence here. Which uh, we were writing up when Brandon Allen was our uh, number one prospect for the uh, hot sheet last week. Not number one prospect, but number yeah, one the on number the hot one sheet. Hot sheet yeah. And looking at Brandon Allen's career, it's fascinating. His first year in Low A, he was about as bad as a prospect could be. And it, it is a good reminder, don't write a guy off after a bad year. That being said, what Skipworth this year is very similar to what we heard another high school drafter catch, yeah, you know, Devin, Mezzarocco. Devin Mezzarocco, last year in Midwest League. And the thought was, okay, you downgrade him, but don't give up on a guy, especially a catcher, after one bad year. And the reality is, is you know, you don't completely give up on Mezzarocco by any stretch here. He's still a young guy. He's in high A. Right. You know, and but, athleticism was a big part of his package. But we haven't seen, you know, it hasn't been something where, oh, it clicked in in year two. I haven't had a ton of flashes with Mezzarocco. He showed a little bit of power, but that's about but, it. But so it, it is like on both sides, you know, don't write off a guy after one year because a, a guy can have a bad year. I mean, yeah, a better example. I, I'm sorry, it's two Reds in a row, but you know, we've been on the Reds list. Joey Votto had an all, you know, had a really bad year in the Florida State League. Yeah, he did. And then, you know, but don't write him off from that. He's now, you know, one of the better hitters in the National League. Yeah, he'd be. I think he'd be second in the National League, or first one, two, or three, if he had enough at bat. I, I was listening to the I'll game last night where they made the point. He's. I think he was going in last night. He was 29 plate appearances away from qualifying. If he went 0 for 29, he'd be 11th in the league. So yeah, he's having a great year. So, yeah, but, but so you don't write off the guys. Not. You don't write off the guys after a bad year. But at the same time, going into next year, Kyle Skipper falls in the category of still got a chance. But it's got to prove something. Correct. He's like you put that Marlins top ten together. I, he I don't may not even, be in the top. You know, I don't know if he's in that, especially in that system where you have guys like Stanton, Dominguez, and, and several yeah. others. No, they have they, they have uh, they have other options. So Joe, thanks as always for the great question. The email address is podcast at baseballamerica.com. Obviously, the uh, trade deadline is uh, this Friday, so we'll have coverage at baseballamerica.com. You can follow all the updates on our Twitter feed. And next week we'll be back with another podcast to analyze the trades and rank the prospects uh, who got traded and fill you in on all those guys if you haven't already been filled in. So for J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.